0: Oh, hi.
1: Hi, this is the final episode for...
0: Relay Essay Season 6. It's Season 6, Episode 6. Oh, wow.
1: Um, So Relay Essay, the essay part is student affairs. The Relay part is a connected conversation across Canada with friends and colleagues in our profession talking about things that they're pursuing, their career, their growth, their span, whatever it might be. And at the end of every interview, they kind of recommend a couple of people that we should continue the conversation with, thereby connecting a connected Relay conversation coast to coast.
0: Coast to coast. And for our finale, we decided to start a new Relay with this interview, and we're so pumped.
1: It is Pearl Pearl (laughs) Mendonca. So
0: um, Pearl is hugely accomplished, has been a facilitator for um, two of the first New Professionals Institute at Caucus, is really involved with the Caucus um, PD committee, um, works at Mohawk College, and has a great experience at McMaster, and just all-around wonderful human.
1: And a great friend.
0: And a great friend, Yeah. and we uh, spent an hour, we drove down to McMaster where we um, snuck into the student <laughs> center and uh, <laughs> had our interview in a, in a little lounge, in the corner of a lounge there, so um, it was wonderful.
1: There's some really great nuggets, so we look forward to you uh, listening and also tweeting about it after, too.
0: I will declare that I'm not the type to have any yes It's worth all the share The number one podcast that student the best Wanna hear what they have to say Along with all the guests that popping on the way Without further delay It's me, they, yes, And we're recording!
1: Yay! (laughs) Okay, to our special guest Who are you and what do you do?
2: I'm Pearl Mendonca and I am the Manager Learning Support Centers at Mohawk College, which is in Hamilton, Ontario.
0: Each town Yeah. <laughs> and we are recording right now. We snuck into the McMaster <laughs> Student Center to record this interview, just to give folks a sense of where we're at. We're kind of like in a corner of a lounge, <laughs> just hoping no one interrupts.
1: Yes. It's nice.
0: It's nice. we got some it's Timbits nice. and we've got Pearl and Nadia and we're ready to go. So tell us a little bit about your journey. So you did your undergrad here at McMaster, but do you want to even start before that? Like what what drew you to McMaster? Oh, yeah. okay.
2: Um, so yes, I came to McMaster um, to... I actually started my degree in engineering. Ooh. And that was what brought me here. So a lot of my friends in high school... Um, went to the University of Waterloo and I also got in there. Um, but when I came to campus, did like a March tour, um, and saw McMaster, I was really, I just really liked the feel of the campus. I just loved the way it looked. It just looked really, um, I don't know, I felt like I was at a university. I don't know what that means, but you know, that idea of, of just seeing these buildings, there's some connection to it. Mm Um, and then, as I walked by McKay Residence, there was it was St. Patrick's Day, and there was people on the balcony <laughs> having a really good time. And so I just thought this place looks awesome, and there's people having a really big party on their on their balcony. So that felt like I don't know. Everyone was like, "This place is so cool." My friends were impressed. So I yeah. So when I got in here, I thought, okay. I'd like to come here. I grew up in Bradford, which is about half an hour from here. And so it wasn't too far um, from family and yeah, and I was gonna move into residence and yeah, so that's why, that's why I got here.
0: And for your undergrad experience, did you <laughs> remain in engineering? Did you get involved? Tell us a little bit about your undergrad story.
2: Yes, so my undergrad experience, I feel like very much shaped some of the decisions that I made. Um, later, because I really struggled in my first year in engineering. And so um, it was one of those situations where I was doing well in math and science in high school, mm-hmm. chatted with, like, guidance, naturally hear the programs you would kind of move to if you're doing well in these subjects. Right. Um, you do those, like, career profile things. They sort of lean towards particular things, and then you, right. and then you pick based on that. And I didn't really know... Um, much about engineering, um, but it felt like it felt like a good fit for like my skill set. And then when I came to university, I realized very quickly that you were being asked to like apply skills um, in that area, and I was not great at physics uh, even from high school. And me too. And uh, that's a, and that's a really big yeah. part of eng. And so it was a real from going from like being a really really good student in high school to Mm -hmm. first year, and then just realizing, like, oh, like, what does this mean for the identity that I've created around, like, academics? Mm -hmm. Um, And so, yeah, I ended up, um, I I always say I ended up taking myself out of the program before McMaster took me out of the program because uh, <laughs> I was like, "I'm gonna just." You can't fire me. So I so I decided to um, switch programs before I hit my second year of um, stuff. So I, I went into social sciences. Um, I took a social work course um, in that first first year of my social science program, uh, or that general first year, and I was in social work class, and the prof was talking about, like, different um, experiences that people go through, and and how, like, social workers, like, support in all these different, like, fields, and I just felt, like, very emotionally connected to the things he was talking about, and Mm -hmm. that was the first time I had that emotional connection to a subject, and so then that felt right Mm -hmm. to pursue that arena, even though it was, like, very, very different from engineering which I started in so social work social work for me was felt like like something like uh, I could feel something inside that was like pulling me towards it Mm -hmm. and I and that's when I like decided to apply for that program and then I got into that program subsequently and did my undergrad um, in social work.
1: And I guess during your um, undergraduate experience did you Mm -hmm. have any touch points with like student affairs and student services? Mm -hmm. Mm
2: -hmm. So I lived in residence in first year, I lived in Brandon Hall, and, uh, I remember, um, being, I was on a substance-free floor, and, because I was, I, think I was 17, maybe when I started, um, so then there was all, all these students who were, like, under 19 who were on that floor, um, and I remember it feeling like a very different first-year experience than maybe some people had had, not that you couldn't go to other floors and, like, right. hang out and,
0: um, but it wasn't the McKay call, Hall about. It wasn't. Party, it was Day. No, it wasn't <laughs> yeah. that.
2: It wasn't that which I had pictured or seen, right? So, um, but I made a really like great group of friends on that floor, and when we like you know got to know Hamilton a little bit and did different things, and um, I I saw an application for um, Welcome Week reps, and so that was like orientation leaders. I think, by the end of the year, and so I applied, even though I hadn't really got that involved in, like, my first-year residence. I used to get involved in high school things, and so I thought, no, I'd like to do this. Like, I liked the atmosphere of, like, orientation. Um, I remember, like, reps coming to my car on the day that I moved in, and I thought, this seems like... A really good place to like be a welcoming person I don't need to be like the loudest like rep but like still help people make that transition and so I yeah I applied and then I became a welcome week rep so that's how I kind of started I think in student life was like getting involved with orientation because I subsequently then went on to do like um, some like welcome week planning um, type roles like in residence and then um, planning res-wide welcome week with a friend of mine um, oh, wow. before the end of my, uh, like high school, uh, no, Mac career. Yeah. Wow.
0: And that pairing is still legendary around. Yes. This part, yes. It is. It the is. It is combination, combination. <laughs> yes. I
2: think. Yes. My friend Rubina, <laughs> we were, <laughs> we were community advisors in Brandon Hall in 2003 and then we became the res wide welcome week planners. And it's, it's, the legend, the stuff of legend, stuff of legend because <laughs> legend. our names went together because we were together all the time. Perbina, we're still best friends. You're like the
1: first like merging of a couple name. Yeah.
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yes, we were like there before Brangelina. Before Brangelina, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's
1: so <amazing>. Yeah.
2: <laughs> and I think Adam, like, did you did you give no did you give us that name?
0: No, but I. I no, met no. You during that orientation that you guys had planned, that's when no. I first it met was you.
2: probably, like. Jimmy Bursa, Heidi, like he was one of those folks who gave, who, I think. Named who, it. Named it, yeah. Named the gene team. Yeah.
0: And so when you graduated, did you mm-hmm. know like you were going to pursue this as a career? I guess if you had done social work, mm-hmm. there's probably other yeah. thoughts in your mind. Like is this something that you kind of were naturally drawn to or what were, no, what were
2: you thinking for your post-MAC plans? I was not drawn. I was not. <laughs> it's funny because yeah. I was in residence and I... Um, I and I just I remember this a couple of weeks ago. Um, Robbie Morrison, who works at UBC, now uh, worked at McMaster, was my residence manager, and he would talk to me about careers in residence life, right? Like to encourage oh. me to like think about it. And he's like, you know, if like if you have like, you thought about like going into residence, he's like, you seem to like really like like the work here. You seem to be like quite naturally kind of drawn to it. And I was like, "No, I don't want to be a residence manager. Um, I like last words for many of us. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and uh, and I was like, no, i I did a degree in social work, so I'm gonna go do social that <laughs> and yeah, just sassy, like, no, I'm not going to come be a residence manager." and then I so I, I got a social work a more traditional social work role, I'll say, um, right out of school I worked in intensive child and family services like a children's mental health um, services area in Brantford, and I did that for about six or seven months and I um, though I really loved like working with the kids that I met um, I found the work extremely challenging for me in terms of just my own like self-care my anxiety like went through the roof mm-hmm. I was having a very very tough transition which some people would say, is like fairly normal yeah. in tra- in work transition but i think for me it was it was more that like it was very hard to go to work like each day and i wasn't really like enjoying it and i, I and i couldn't see the end like i didn't know if it would get better mm. in terms of my own and that's could yeah. be normal for work transition right and sometimes you have to give it a little more time but i felt like it was causing me so much distress that i was like i don't think Maybe I just, maybe this is not what i was supposed to do, which also was another, like, I feel like blow to the identity because mm. you think I went to school, I, and got, now this I'm, now I got this degree and now I'm going to do this job, which is exactly the kind of job that I like thought yeah. I wanted to do. And then it, it, it wasn't all that I had thought it was going to be. And so I was seeing a counselor at that point. And just talking about, like, work transition. And, and she, her, her question to me was, like, when was the last time that you, like, really enjoyed the work that you were doing and felt, like, committed to it, felt energized by it? That was her question. Mm-hmm. And so I went back to my time as a community advisor. So I went back to, like, residence life. Mm. And I was, like, I really like programming. I really liked connecting with students. I liked supporting students through transition. I liked being on a team. And so that was like, said she was like, you know, there's, is there opportunities to do that kind of work? And I was like, interestingly, yes, <laughs> there are people who do that exact kind of work. Man, Robbie, Robbie
0: Morrison appears <laughs> on your shoulder. <laughs> uh,
2: yeah, it was like so interesting, but it took me it, like I had to t- do my own work, you yes, know, of
1: course. Yeah. and
2: figure that out for myself. Um, and uh, yeah, and so there, a uh, programming role came up. Um, at McMaster to work in Residence Life, um, to work with the residence Life management team and supporting programming. And so I applied for that role in and then that's how I kind of started more yeah. more formally. And then I moved into Residence Life after that.
1: What were some of the highlights in, in that role as a programmer?
2: Oh, I... It was neat to like work with the Residence Life management team but not have the responsibility of the yeah. residence manager role at that point. Yeah, it, was yeah. a, it was in transition. It was great to, like, have exposure to that side of hiring, have exposure to, like, student issues that were coming right. up, have um, work with staff more directly yeah. on, like, their programming initiatives, get to know, like, the community advisors across the different buildings and across the different teams, um, but not necessarily have that direct connection um, to, like, a particular building or team. It was nice to like see the whole program, for what it was. So that was good. And then we also had an opportunity to do um, service learning mm-hmm. type opportunities because residence life at that point that's it was that was happening um, with Tamara Baldwin and and that team. And so that was pretty cool too to do
1: service learning.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So that would be that was a big piece. And then there was an opportunity that came up the next year to then apply for a residence manager position. So then I applied to that and was successful in that and yeah we got you you residents yeah Yeah.
0: (laughs) I feel like we could do hours and hours of like because I think you're you're so accomplished in so many ways because you've done that you went back to school and got your MSW at Ryerson yes and you've been on the board with um the YWCA Mm -hmm. and you worked in health promotions for like six years and then you moved to like I feel like you have such a rich career story and like education story yeah but I also um I don't want to fast forward through it, but I also yeah, know yeah, there's so many yeah, other things we're gonna <laughs> talk about. I don't know. Um maybe just tell us a little bit about your um transition because now you're at Mohawk and you've been there yes. for a bit now. Yes. Um what was the transition from McMaster, which is like a research intensive university, mm-hmm. to kind of a, a different role in a different context?
2: Yeah. So um Prior to moving to Mohawk, I worked in um, student wellness at McMaster, um, on and off for, yeah, probably six or seven, six or seven years, um, in health promotion. And so, um, an opportunity came up at Mohawk to move into a manager um, role and that was an experience that I was really interested to do. So I'd been a coordinator for a number of years and just thinking about career progression, and this is always an interesting conversation with um, higher ed folks is thinking about, like, you know, what are you, like, working towards? And I don't think I ever, like, knew... I I never had a particular role in mind, Mm. but I, at some point, hit a point in my career where I was like, okay, I've done this coordinator role and I think I've, like got the breadth of this type of work, working with volunteers and, um, like, working with other collaborative groups around the institution. I thought, okay, here's an opportunity that's coming up at Mohawk to kind of oversee a a team um, and and get experience with that. And so that, to me, that transition was very eye-opening for me. I think what I learned quickly about the college is that the pace was much faster Mm -hmm. than... um, in ter- just in terms of moving from McMaster to Mohawk, the pace is much faster, and so mm. uh, I felt like where things might take, you know, they might move, and I, I don't, and I don't mean this any disrespect, but glacially, let's say, at like a university, yeah. um, <laughs> there's
1: everyone, everyone knows what
2: you're talking. Yeah, about. yeah. yeah. there's a there's um, there's a, like actually a desire and a need to move things like quickly at the college to mm. to. Not to not to not to say there's not intention behind the work, but I think the semesters go one, two, three. So you're in like fall semester, yeah. winter term, spring, summer, and then you repeat the cycle. So if you want to make changes, you're making changes while there's things happening and you're like going. Mm. You know? And so I think there's there was a flow at in terms of when I was at McMaster where you'd go like September to April and then you'd have this like dance of like four months of like vacation and planning and like moving depending on what area you were in. Mm-hmm. Right. And that just wasn't the reality at the college. And so and mm. so moving at the pace where you're like, okay, like in order to get this done, I actually have to do this, this, and this, and this amount of time to ensure that like those, these folks were on board, you're having this conversation, you're making sure this goes and then you're, and then you're trying and you're running something. That was something. So when I moved over to Mohawk, um, Tim Fricker, who you've also had a conversation with um, was my direct supervisor um, when he was the director of student success initiatives. And his like biggest advice to me was like, yeah, you just need to do stuff. Like, you know, <laughs> and so because he's because that transition from like going from like thinking about things and incubating an idea and right. like stay cool like it's you, could, our you, stuff, you and know. you could take time, I think, when you're in certain roles Let's to like strike a working group just you have a committee. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> right? Fine. And it just it yeah. just was not that just was not and I was like, oh, okay, okay. Like I get it, like you have to like keep things going, right? Because mm. there's a there's there's there was a lot more um, reporting there was a lot more um, expectation around like outcomes and like, mm-hmm. um, and I think it it really taught me quickly just kind of learning like really knowing like what what's the direction of the institution like where is the institution going, how do you create your work to um, fit with the direction that this mm-hmm. where the strategy is aligning um, in a college. I think you have the opportunity to, like, see that direct connection. It's much smaller. The strategic plan yeah. is connected very tightly to, like, each area, mm. whether it's academics or student services. Um, and so I just think there's this, yeah, it was the pace that was the biggest transition piece for me. And then um, also just the, um, the importance of relationship building because everything – was done collaboratively. Mm-hmm. Not that that's not happening at other institutions, but I felt like it's a it was a much smaller place to work across functional areas, yeah. Um, yeah, and easy. and having this like multidisciplinary team of people who were making things happen and and seeing how that works. Yeah,
1: mm. yeah, for sure. It's like for universities, there's just so much like history,
2: alumni, red tape. Um, yeah can be right and I think silos or cylinders of excellence cylinders of excellence excellence. I love (laughs) it well and there was times in in student wellness where I um, myself and my colleague Melissa we would like intentionally like reach out for like collaborative opportunities but that's just by the nature I think of coming for residents and like having done that like in the past and team oriented Mm -hmm. stuff and but that that may or may not be people's natural inclination right because there's sometimes there's an ease in getting stuff done just by doing that in your own area but that's I think something that I can really see in the in at Mohawk is the is the collaborative nature and how it like actually like assists in the in how it reaches different cohorts of students and different like students like best, so mm-hmm.
1: yeah I'm trying to phrase the question it's something mm-hmm. that, and Adam touched upon like your your career and the different thing roles that you've held and I think within them there's always like a theme of I think I see, we see your values of like holistic learning yes. and supportive of student health wellness yes yes uh, spiritual development whatever it might be like those values are kind of within the roles mm-hmm. that you've held and I guess I want to know, like, how are you... It's not always easy to find positions or um, to be able to find work that you're able to kind of fuse in what you value and believe in. I mm-hmm. guess, how are you able to, like, navigate those passions of yours okay. within the work that you do?
2: Yes. So that's that's a really good question. The, the role that I'm in currently, so I manage um, our Learning Support Center, which has our peer tutors and um, supplemental instruction leaders or past leaders, writing center tutors, uh, math co-op students. So for me, student leadership development um, and, ha- and overseeing a program area that has, like we, we fully function on, on student leaders. So we have, we hire like 120 student leaders each term. Um, who provide that academic peer-based support to students and so for me the the modeling or the learning around like holistic Mm -hmm. like wellness self-care while holding like leadership is is I think comes through in like training and Coaching conversations with students, um, or even supporting the staff that I work with in thinking about that. Mm-hmm. It's also stuff that I think about all the time for my own self, um, and so I, I see it coming through very much so in student leadership pieces because the student the student leaders that I meet um, and that we work with are have so many interesting stories about like the the lives they've had before yeah. coming to college um, and. They're also striving for something and they're looking to, like, develop these skills to then take them out into their, like, workspaces. Um, And we're just, like, this small blip, perhaps, in their, like, story. But, like, what are they... What can they, like, learn about Mm. navigating, um, like, work-life balance or school-life balance or... um, Or what are we modeling in terms of, like, we're teaching in terms of, like, boundaries and, like, learning how to say no and, um, like, that type of stuff. I think um, we were just having this conversation the other day on our team about, you know, how do we ensure that, like, if we're asking students to do this, how are we, um, what what conversations about boundaries are we having in training that's really explicit about, like, the importance of this and why that, what impact that has, like, versus just, like, here's what you should do, but, like, why right, right? like yeah, the why them. behind like some of that stuff and um yeah and then even even just thinking about current student population and thinking about the needs of students that that we're seeing and thinking about how the complexity of need has shifted over over the time that I've I've been at Milwaukee and even over the time that I was here at yeah. McMaster and so just thinking about okay like what are we um how are we responding to the complexity of student need? And and what is the expectation that we have as, like, a centre or a service to provide um, support? What does that look like for us? What does that look like in collaboration with counselling or in collaboration with accessible learning services mm-hmm. and that kind of thing? So it's just... And it's helping students see that too, that like, we're one space, we work in collaboration with these other spaces to provide support, and there's a team here that is helping students succeed, you know? And so just, I think, thinking broadly about that, but then also thinking about the skills that come from that one-to-one interaction. But always thinking about, like, always thinking about how to do that differently or better without doing, like two weeks of training. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. Yeah. And knowing that, like, there's a learning process and sometimes you have to, like, come, you have to meet students for a bit and start to realize, oh, okay, I could see where that's coming up and just thinking about just-in-time training or just-in-time conversations for people when they need it and,
0: yeah. Well, and I want to riff on this idea of, like, this holistic Mm -hmm. um, thinking about our own experiences and our Mm -hmm. student experiences that we're working with because I also know you have... Um, part of your life is around Reiki and yoga and a lot yeah. of things that I think speak to that sense of um, holisticness. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I want to just ask about like what parts of the world of like Reiki and yoga and other parts of your practice are you bringing into your student affairs work?
2: Mm-hmm. Um, if you can. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ooh, that's another good question. You guys are...
0: Hard-hitting question. Hard-hitting. We have a good research team. Yeah. I love, yes. research team. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, first of all, maybe yeah. I don't know if everyone knows what Ricky is.
2: Okay. Oh. Do you have
0: like a? I think people have a popular understanding of what maybe yoga might be. But yes. Reiki. Yes.
2: Fair. Um, so yes. Yeah, so yo. Um, no yoga. Everyone, I think I won't describe yoga, um, except to say that I did my yoga teacher training about two years ago, uh, and that felt like the. I think any sort of teacher training in like any sort of like alternative or holistic health type area is all about personal development, which always relates to professional development. So mm. I could see there's a lot of tiebacks when I was doing my teacher training. Um, also like facilitating, holding space, um, allowing people to like be themselves where they're at, um, supporting without like um, directing. Like there's so many things that are like yeah. very applicable. Um to student affairs, but for Reiki, so um, Reiki is a um, Japanese uh, healing modality that focuses on um, rebalancing the energy centers of the body or the chakras and um, practitioners are supporting um, kind of that rebalancing by having like a light, hands-on touch over the body I always think it's like listening to the body with hands. That's Mm. how I like like see it. And um, like, I think uh, folks who are like sensitive to energy or sometimes people are like, like by energy, like, what do you mean? And so I always give the example that um, we feel and experience energy all the time. Mm-hmm. So, for instance, if you walk into a room where two people have just had like an argument or a disagreement, there's like a feeling or a sense yeah. in that space that you can't really like see, but you can you you can feel like something happened here just now <laughs> that I walked into, and I yeah. don't know what's it and like actually oh, what this person's giving off feels like they're like frustrated or you can like feel those things yeah. on people. I think without them like saying it or without them describing me, you know? So I just think people experience energy all the time and we're so connected to that idea, but sometimes, um, we may not be as aware of it, let's say, mm. but it's there, you know? And so I always think, um, and maybe social work too, it, it, like sort of aligned me to that. But like when you're like sitting with people and you're like sitting with them and holding space and you're like listening to their story or you're listening to like what a situation that they're describing, you're, you're hearing them, but then there's this other level of communication that's happening where you're like feeling, you can get a sense of what they're feeling just by the way that they're like describing something or the way that they're, um, yeah, just in that interaction. And so for me, like how I think I translate, like whether it's yoga or Reiki into my work is that, um, I think it's being present with people when they're like describing something or, Um, if someone's sitting down for like a one-on-one like checking in on how things are going, like finding out, like small talk but Mm -hmm. also like getting a sense of like where they're at, like through those kind of conversations Um, that doesn't mean that I'm having like philosophical deep conversations with people all the time but I am always reading where people are at and that's just and that's just, it's just natural for me to do that, I don't there's no intention behind it but I'm um, I like to get a sense of, like, what people are feeling like because I think you can get to maybe an understanding of where they're at and, like, and provide some of that open space for support right. mm-hmm. or realize, like, if a staff member, they're not saying they're overwhelmed, but you can, like, see it or feel it. Yeah. Yeah. You, you can ask the question or you can, like, be there with them or offer support without having to... Yeah, so I, I could see it coming in um, in those ways and just realizing that people... Um, sometimes just need like space to be heard yeah that's how I see it kind of coming into like into work or even like you know if you're in a space in a meeting how do you how do you shift like the tone and energy like in a space to be not productive in the sense of like doing but productive in the sense of helping conversations move forward right you know and how do you how do you take a quick read of a room and then oh, be able yeah. to do that like that kind of stuff? Like I think you told totally, yeah right you're
1: I'm thinking like fifth and strengths empathy. Yeah, yes, like that's, that's my yeah yeah yeah, yeah, I think yeah. That's 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 a talent that not that's hard for people to not everyone could do that. Right, right, right. Like a few people like it's a, it, top five top 10 that you're able to like yeah. sense something and I'm just thinking about people that are um not senses, not sensors like what they would be able to do in those situations too. Like, what are other cues they could pick up on if they can't feel Good. energy?
2: Yeah, I think, and some other people might describe that. It's just funny. I think about meetings all the time because we're in meetings mm-hmm. like on so many things or different project committees and whatever, and and people are at different places with that. And I think some people can see when a conversation's going like tangential and they bring people back to like yeah, focus. I think people read things moving away from the main conversation and
0: what's the focus
2: or some people go like, like who are we trying to impact? Like some people are doing that where they're like, who's our audience? Like what are we trying to do? Mm -hmm. They bring back. I just think people are doing this all the time, but they're doing it in different ways. Yeah. I'm usually taking an emotional temperature check in a room usually.
0: So this, I'm curious about Mm -hmm. someone who is so in touch with energies Mm -hmm. and emotions. Like how do you also, um, like protect your heart because mm-hmm, I mm-hmm, think folks mm-hmm. who are empathetic are often yeah. taking on energies that might be challenging mm-hmm. so like if you're um, in spaces that might be drawing from that yeah that well
2: yes how yes, do you yes. also like
0: move through your day in a way that is also and all of your activities mm-hmm. um, in a way that is sustainable or like soul nourishing for you
2: yeah that's a great question um For me, yeah, because I think about people who are doing... I think about people in our field who are doing, like, one-to-one appointments, advising, counselling, and they've got students coming in and out, different conversations, holding space for all these different conversations, notes, follow-up, another person, and, like, and just going. And so, um, for me, I... I usually try to use my evenings... As, like, my kind of, like, quiet, like, time, I try not to, um, I do do things in the evening, like, I do make social plans and that kind of stuff, but I, I really try to, like, look at my week and go, okay, what can I actually, like, take on mm. in terms of, like, evening and, like, weekend type things. With Reiki and yoga, like, with Reiki sessions with people, I will often, like, book them in the evenings, but I try not to book them, like, three in a week or anything like that. Like I try and spread those things out because I need time to process and I need time on my own. Mm -hmm. Like I'm a, um, I identify as an introvert um, and I'm, I like that time to like fill my like bucket with whatever that is, whether it's just like quietly like sitting and like listening to music or um, reading or like watching something. I just, it's just as long as it's just me and then I, like, I like that kind of space to do that That's on nice. my own. Yeah. yeah. That's it's how necessary, kinda, Yeah. Hmm.
1: I wanted to, or we wanted to touch upon your involvement in mm-hmm. NPI. Mm-hmm. Um, can you tell us a bit, a bit more about what that is, your yes. role in it? Sure.
0: Because it's a relatively new thing, right? Yeah. In yes. In the last few years. So. Yeah. And you're the, like, inaugural... Person yes. with me, all right?
2: Yes. So um, New Professionals Institute. So um, Caucus um, launched the NPI in 2017. So the, the first one was um, in London, Ontario. And we had, I'm not going to get the number right, but I think we had about 26 folks that were there. Mm-hmm. So the NPI is geared to, um, I guess, folks in the first, like, let's say, five years. Okay. Five to seven years of their of roles. So we had folks coming who were, like, new to student affairs, um, like, new to their roles within that for five to seven years, but they came from, like, lots of different areas. Yes. Um, and so new professional is a very interesting, like, name because – Right? Because right. there's, like, folks who had had, like, years of experience in, like, fields and that were coming to student services yeah. and were, like – what is this, like, student services world um, about? Uh, And there's other folks who were, maybe had moved to a new role, and so that was them as a new professional Mm. because they had moved to a new role. Um, I really, as, as, so myself and Neil Bedell were um, faculty leads, and it was a very, for me, like, professional development-wise, like, a really important um, a really important mark in the last couple of years because um, one, it gave me a Neil is like a scholar. He should be like a scholar-scholar practitioner practitioner because he's like double scholar, double practitioner. Because he's just the way that he like thinks about the field, mm-hmm. the amount of like research and work that he's he's put in, and also like teaching within. Um, the student affairs Mm -hmm. stream at OISE um, just has like a really solid base of knowledge that he I think shares regularly through his work at Centennial and then also um, through that program at OISE and um, for me identifying as like a practitioner and then just seeing the benefit of the that wide range of knowledge Mm -hmm. in the scholarship to see how that relates to like practice I think for me that was really, really eye-opening because then I could see that there were folks at at MPI who also identified as practitioners, Mm -hmm. but some folks identified as scholar practitioners, and some folks came to this work in so many different ways, and you need to have that kind of range of conversation to be able to then, like impact change hmm. right and so how do you how do you come at those conversations in student affairs and services we focused the um, curriculum around the caucus competencies okay and so that also is a really interesting conversation because there's 11 competency areas um, and the Institute you know tried to give folks just, like a, a little conversation or taste of the of the competencies and how that applies to their to their work nice. um, and it to me, that was also the first time kind of spending a bit more time with the competencies myself, mm-hmm. even. Um, and so that, that's that been a really interesting conversation. So I was able to do that in 2017 and then returned to do it uh, this past year in 2018. Um, and I think we had 30, 30 folks um, in the cohort this past here wow. working very That's closely nice. to with Megan McKenzie from caucus mm-hmm. who uh, manages um, professional development. Mm-hmm. And um, so, yeah, the three of us are worked together uh, quite closely and trying to create that Institute experience, which is very much like an intensive for three days um, and the cohort like gets to know each mm-hmm. other, works on a capstone. Um, and you just, I I just felt like people were, again, making connections across Canada because folks are coming from institutions across Canada, colleges and universities, um, lots of different roles. And you just get a real sense of the breadth of the field Mm -hmm. and you realize that like, there's so many things happening everywhere, but there's some real common themes that people are seeing as well. And so a lot of people talked about, um, imposter syndrome or feeling like as a new professional in a role, you know, I have this experience, but how do I translate the confidence that I had in this experience to my role in student services as I'm learning the field or as I'm learning this role or whatever that looks like, or I'm new at this institution and at my other institution here's what they used to do and now I'm trying to learn what this institution does to navigate these different things. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's just it's it's always I guess a the theme that always comes up for me is always that we're in this like constant transition, like no matter What area of our career that we're in and I just think it's really neat that there's like spaces where you can like talk about that and think about that and normalize like the challenges that come with transition in that yeah and knowing that also like quote-unquote like new professional like that label does it necessarily mean anything it doesn't Mm -hmm. it doesn't say doesn't tell you much about like The person and what they like bring because the 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 wide range of experience and skills that people had coming in um there's so much like learning that's happening um throughout the institute on like on all levels and it's just it's just cool to have people come together to like Mm -hmm. have those discussions and and actually a lot of reflective work that sometimes we don't get to do in our everyday practice, let's oh, say, yeah. right?
1: I'm so busy doing.
2: Right? And so you take people out of that context, you put them into this space to, like, f- think through and reflect and feel and whatever that is and, mm-hmm. and process. Mm-hmm. And it's, like, I think it
0: has it – can have a really big impact. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit more about um, your work with the competencies? Sure. And are you still working with the competencies in any way or is it mostly in the design for the institute or – because I think that's also something that's relatively new to the to caucus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a couple years old. And I think people mm-hmm. are taking it up in lots of different ways and to see how you're applying it with mm-hmm. new professionals is really cool.
2: Yeah. Um, the, for me, like the, the conversation that I'm, I've been a part of um, in the last couple months, um, I joined the caucus uh, professional development committee. Um, and so Sherry Walsh, she works at Niagara College, she uh, chairs that committee. And um, we, as a professional development committee, we're looking at creating like a reflection tool or a self-assessment for the competencies, which as we've started conversations, um, just the realization of like what that actually means to put something like that a tool like that together um and uh we've had some interest from like other folks from some different institutions um who are want to be part of this working group that we've like just started and so So it's there's some there's some great conversations are they starting with some institutions i know have created some like internal like self-assessments that they're using or like um thinking about you know how do you like how do you describe your level of competency right. across a tool that has each competency area has like core intermediate and advanced mm-hmm. and how do you like self assess and then I, like it's it's such yeah. an interesting thing because if you like i think some people would say if they open the competency model document could could feel a little overwhelmed at the 11 areas and then the three areas within yes, it and yeah. then thinking like if you're like a student, senior student affairs officer then you're there's this idea that you're demonstrating like advanced level competency let's say right, yeah. true. it's like wow that's like that's a big it's all pressure anyway. there's a, that's a, and, and so thinking about how people just describe their competency level and and right. then th- even thinking about like mid-level managers like mm-hmm. myself and thinking about where where you'd self assess and or where you aspirationally hope to like be at some point yeah. it's just like but it's like a never ending conversation yeah that's like there's no it's like point in time for reflection yeah and then where do you want to go what area are you in that you're f- focusing on like there's sure. so much that you could talk about with competencies i think
0: yeah it's fascinating it's a i think it's a really productive conversation that we're having as group yeah. and like i'm happy that the committee's um Engaging in that work because I also think if you layer on, not only where you're at, I think when you have core, intermediate, with advanced, Advanced, I think you always feel bad if you're not in the advanced category, but then there might be some parts of your job that only require a core. Yes, yes, you're not going to be. Yes. And then you layer on also the specifics of your particular particular functional area, which might Mm -hmm. have additional competencies. So there's a lot. It can be overwhelming because especially if you have these you always want to be more and then it ties to your sense of identity of like, if I'm not advanced all the way, am I a failure? Like, yeah, I think there is an, a bit of an affective component to mm-hmm. how we use these and a bit of a comparison or like,
2: yeah, I don't know. I or think if it, you're, or if you're thinking about, if you're thinking about career progression, I guess, and then thinking about areas that you want to like develop in. So, um, I think some of the competency areas like strategic planning, research and assessment, post-secondary acumen, like you start to think about folks who are like thinking about their career right. in the field and like where they're gonna like look into, and it's like, yeah, those are areas. And but how do you, how do you like, d- how do you develop in those areas? So what demonstrate is the what and dem- and, areas, and, and, yeah. and demonstrate competency in those areas? Um, the other thing is that I know that the conversations around like equity, diversity, and inclusion, or intercultural fluency. Um, um, those are always very I find those conversations very interesting um, in terms sure. of like assessing competency I know that there was that uh, student affairs chat um, on equity and inclusion that Sonia and Akisha I think mm-hmm. were facilitating and thinking about like um, there was a question about like where do you like assess mm-hmm. yourself in terms of the EDI like competency and people were I think in the intermediate range, and so that was, and people were just like, "Oh, that's like really interesting that that's, people are intermediate." And right. so, there was a comment about I remember reading the thread, but there was a comment about, "Well, do you not rate yourself as core because you you feel like you have like a, a higher like some sort of complex under or a little more complex understanding, but you're not quite like advanced?" But how do you talk? anyway, it's just that was, EDI was a really interesting one. I think yeah. that came up. Then I remember Megan had mentioned it to me. Um, as well because as we were thinking about this like tool it was like yeah like how do you and without and there's so much so much about that identity and how you see yourself as Mm -hmm. like a student affairs
0: professional and making kind of not a claim but like a statement about your level of competency especially in areas where you're like I'm fully aware that there is there will always be more to learn in this area so to say advanced feels like Maybe not appropriate, so maybe intermediate's where I'm at because you're always in that learning mode, especially on EDI stuff where there's no, like, great, I have <laughs> yes, right? done all I need to know no, about this, there's right? Like, like I am no competent checkbox. in this area. Yeah. It's more about committing to a process than having yeah. a I think set so. set of skills yeah. or knowledge. Committing That's to a process. It it's, a process. Yeah. it's always a
1: dance between advanced and inter- intermediate yeah. because whatever you want to perfect is always growing and changing. Our students, ourselves are growing and changing, so it's like a commitment to the process and a commitment to learning yeah
2: and other people have said too like if you attend um nicole um crozier from uvic is also like working on the pd committee on this on this project and so in we had a conversation we were in a phone call where she was like yeah the idea like if you go to this like conference does that mean that you've like developed some competency? Right. Like, so is your exposure to knowledge assisting in your advancement in a competency or is it something like there's all these things, right? Oh, because yeah. I think, I think people yeah. and some people may have more exposure to particular conversations that other people do. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so then how do you, if you're learning in that area, like how do you develop like competency in, in an area like that, you know? And so I just think it's, it's a good conver- It's a great conversation actually. And just requires, like, that opportunity for, like, conversation and reflection yeah. on teams or, like, in
0: in institutions or, yeah. And I think the vulnerability maybe not is the right word, but, like, that sense of being okay with saying, like, I am maybe even less than core. Yeah. Like, yes, I have yes, so much to yes. learn in this area. Yeah, yeah. As opposed to performing. Yes. yes. Which I feel like we have to do on social media and in... At conferences, as opposed yeah. to like, actually, I know very little about this. Yeah, yeah. And I need to get in the learning mode. Yeah, yes. Yeah, questions it's... so that I can develop to become stronger. Yeah. Because I think that's also that part of it too. It. I
2: yeah. like the vulnerability and the, um, the idea that we, um, yeah, I think need to be okay with saying
0: that there is like much more to learn. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I wanna maybe transition into kind of our last question because we're mm-hmm. coming towards the end of our time. But I, I was reading through some of your blog posts, Pearl. Um, wow, deep cut. Deep cut. <laughs> um, and there was one that really spoke to me, and I think it actually ties into what we're talking about, about this the competencies, which is befriending the troll. Mm. And... Are you, is this okay? Yes. Okay.
2: I, re- I, remember, I remember this post well, yeah. Oh, yeah. It is,
0: it's really great, because I think when we're talking about the vulnerability of like being on the learning edge and all that kind of stuff. Imposter syndrome. Imposter syndrome, mm-hmm. which you reference in the, in the post. Yeah. Um, and so you have a troll that follows you around every day. Yeah. Um, can you tell us a little bit about what it means to befriend the troll and what that looks like? Because I think that does tie into our topics around developing professionally and developing Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of our competencies, but mm-hmm. what, did, what does befriending the troll mean?
2: Yes, so the the post was about, um, I, I, I think that I wrote it from what I remember um, after yoga teacher training and like thinking about teaching mm-hmm. and thinking about like facilitating um, movement um, with people like in a space, like using yoga and that kind of stuff, but just thinking about this voice in my head that's often like, like, why are you doing that? And why would you be the person who would do that? And like, who told you you could do that? Mm-hmm. And that idea, but it's not just yoga. Like, I think I have that, like w- even moving into a manager role and thinking about this like voice that's like, like, why are you taking that on? Or like, why are you signing up for that? Or why right. are you doing this? Like a lot, I, I think this self-critical voice that I have in my head has been, a pain, and I, I, it's con- it's pretty constant, and I'm, 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 I ro- I remember writing that post, and I remember it resonating with a lot of people because I got a lot of messages from people about it, saying like, thank you for like, identifying that and saying that that's what happens, and then also being like, what is this voice about? Like, so yeah. like, and thinking about the fact that, um, it comes from like doubt, and fear. Um, and maybe, like, an expectation level that's either, like, externally set or internally set. Mm. Like, there's so much to this voice, right? And it comes from, like, experiences, like, past experiences um, and just thinking about, like, how, like, I've coped in the past. And I just think befriending the troll has been about, like, it's not about, like, trying to shut that voice away because i don't think that that's that voice has been like a part of me and obviously exists for some reason Mm -hmm. but then thinking about like what does that voice tell me about like where i'm at Mm -hmm. and and what i need or where's how does that voice help me to like propel forward how do i like listen to the voice with um compassion you know, as to like what's being said. Now, I'm not saying I'm doing this all the time. I'm not saying yeah, yeah, that I'm like super great at this. Compassionate approach yeah. to the troll. Because usually I'm just like super upset. Um, but I think a compassionate approach to a part of yourself is like very important. Even if it is a voice that is. Hmm. Um, even if it is a voice that's like self-deprecating. Right. Because it, it's speaking to something. Like it's, it's bringing voice to something. Right. And probably what it's bringing voice to is, is some sort of insecurity or fear. Mm-hmm. And so how do you, like, listen to, like, what's beneath the voice? I, and I, I'm constantly doing this. So I don't, I'm don't i not sure I know the answer to, like, okay. how to do it. But I'm, like, thinking – I'm always thinking about that. Um, and sometimes it's been I'll – t- I'll say, too, like, not only with post-sec work or higher ed, but even now, like, moving into entrepreneurship-type work – and like being in circles that I, I do not know and and not sure how to navigate it comes up too it's like I was on a panel a couple of weeks ago for an entrepreneurship event in Hamilton and I remember just being like why am I on this panel hmm. what am I going to tell them it was about failure um and it was thinking about like how yeah. to like how to embrace failure and how failure is a big part of like learning and development and how how do you like how do you, like, accept failure and then use it, you know, that idea? And so I was like, why am I on this panel? Like, I've only been doing this for, like, two years and entrepreneurship stuff. Like, what do I have to offer? That was my Betrayal. narrative. And then j- I was able to, like, speak to that at the event and just thinking about, mm. um, you know, like, where where some of that insecurity comes from. Um, yeah, it's like, I think... I've met so many higher ed folks that that's mm-hmm. a big part of how yeah. they, like, how they, yeah. like. and it's, there's, I don't know, it's, and other people will tell them, like, and other people tell me, like, wow, like, you're, like, really great at this, and, um, you know, oh, like, don't feel like that, like, that's, you know. You're and,
1: amazing, what are you talking about?
2: Right, and it's, like, I think, and I, and so then I'm, like, how do I listen, how do I listen to the the feedback that I'm getting? Right. And realize that it's not being said just to like pacify but it's being said for like a reason like there's a recognition of something but also be able to like think about where I still need to learn and grow because this is not like a this is Mm -hmm. a cycle it's just it's such an interesting mix of things because I never want to get stuck on being like this is so great I've never been like that like I'm always like interested to like learn more think critically about like what I'm doing try to think about how to yeah how to yeah
0: I think the troll pops out when we care really deeply about doing really well.
2: Yeah, Um, okay. That's a good way of saying it. So I think it's like,
0: where's the piece that that propels you to still care about being... But then how do you um, quiet the parts that are um, preventing you from moving forward? Yeah. Or, I don't know.
2: But also, like, and I think... It's probably Bernie Brown who talks about this, but I would say like never hurt her. Never. (laughs) 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 But I think it's it's like now
0: in wine country. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. Yes. That was so good.
2: Um, But it is that idea. I think that I think how do you how do you also like not tie your identity Mm. to like success and failure? Like how do you not? So how do you? Because that's like that's I think part of the the piece. It's like. Or, how, like, if you're yeah. always tying it to like success, how do you like see what you've learned like through failure? There's a and catch then, for both. Yeah. Yeah. yeah there's, this, if you right? buy into one, you buy into the other. Right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I think she talks about that for yeah. sure because yes. that's part of her life story. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
0: Oh.
1: Wow. <laughs> okay.
2: Okay.
0: Everyone doing okay? <laughs> <laughs> <You're> doing yes. <laughs> so, if we could just ponder here in oh my silence, goodness, I think that's, sorry. Some, that's some wisdom. I'm going to have right to
2: go here. watch. Brené's TED Talk again.
0: Yeah. Just
2: I'm all about I like.
0: I have to watch her Netflix. I haven't watched that one. That yet.
2: one. That, that one's great. Yeah, yeah that's my. I tonight. have to rewatch oh, it. Yeah. Yeah. It's. Right. Yeah, it's
1: good. Okay, let's <sighs> rapid fire. Push. Rapid oh! fire.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <Just>
1: <laughs> okay. Ready? Yes. What is your favorite catchphrase? Rapid fire, Pearl. I know. I'm, I'm like <laughs>
2: such a processor. Rapid fire scares me. Um, I don't... I, it's okay. It's okay. I don't know if I have <laughs> a catchphrase. Or if you were to have a
0: catchphrase that like... Do you have a catchphrase? Do
2: I? I don't think I do. Oh.
0: Hmm. Okay. No, I don't okay. I do. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay. Um, so, Pearl and if you were to donate a bunch of money to have a building built um, on a university campus...
1: And we walked by so many today. Yeah, there's yes. a lot of
0: builds happening at McMaster. Yeah. Um, what kind of building would you build?
2: <clears throat>
0: the Pearlman Dance Center for X. Ooh. I, I would love to
2: see a space that was like dedicated to wellness, um, but was but thinking about wellness like holistically, so not just like traditional Western models of wellness, but like world. wellness models like how wellness is like seen in different spaces from different kind of like cultural pieces (coughs) and also um, a mix of like that Mm. health and wellness conversation from
1: what kind uh, of rooms like
2: bonus like what were uncensored think about like what
1: kind of rooms would be in this building (sighs) if you had your like you're building sims
2: (laughs) (laughs) building sims in the center for worldwide wellness I, I think a common a common type of room. I think spaces for spaces that promote reflection, I think cool. feel very wellness to me. Mm. And so how do you like, how do you demonstrate reflection and wellness in like spaces? Those people do that. Yeah.
1: Superpower. Hmm.
2: Um, I've thought about this because I've heard it in other <laughs> interviews, but Invisibility, like I feel like oh. that's fun because I love observing. Yes, but I don't want people to feel like they're being observed. <laughs> so how so do yeah. I observe? Invisible, with just being invisible and like and like being and being in different conversations and being in different spaces and rooms and like taking that information in. So oh. cool. I like that.
0: Um, Pearl, do you have a go-to dance move? Oh my god.
2: <laughs> um. Do I?
0: I have a really awkward one that involves like I don't oh, know how you describe good. this with words
1: your hands are interlocked and you're like passing
2: on a wave, yeah and like, then I
0: go like around the head <laughs> and then like around whoever's <laughs> near me wow it's elaborate and awkward
2: I okay I'm gonna be honest if if you were to just let me go on a dance floor, I'm probably going to start doing some sort of Zumba routine. Yes. Because I love Zumba steps and I think <laughs> repetitive steps yeah. are because people follow along yeah. with them. They go to a beat. Yeah. I haven't done a Zumba class in years, but I love it. It's yes. just, and I it's feel very like so something something with arms and legs that you can do that goes to the mm-hmm. beat. That's Zumba to me.
0: <laughs> Great.
2: <laughs> Nickname? Any nicknames for you? I, pe- there was a time where people would call me Pearl the Squirrel. That was oh. high school and elementary school.
0: Um, There's but I P Mandon for a while. P- but I think that's just because it was your PM email my, <laughs> address. My <laughs> email
2: address at McMaster was was P at McMaster.ca. <laughs> and so that's what people would call me. Actually, it was yeah, it was very common. Yeah, P Mandon was probably the last. It's a good song. But right? I haven't that's had a good. Had artist. good- <laughs> P.M. Don? Yes! Oh, I didn't even
0: (laughs) think... Ow! Did you send me... uh, (laughs) up? I didn't even think of that. Really? That's
1: what I went to. I was like, oh yeah, P.M. (laughs) Don.
2: P.M. Don, yes, and then P.M. Don. How is P.M. Don doing?
0: (laughs) Okay. Um, Maybe let's get to the last (laughs) few ones. Um, What would you say to first-year Pearl Mendoza showing up with Brandon Hall? For engineering. engineering.
2: Oh, I would say... Oh, I would have, I would say to her definitely um, to let your parents leave, um, because I didn't let my parents leave until my roommate showed up, uh, because I was really nervous to, like, be on campus by myself, and I would just say, it'll be fine, put your pictures up, your roommate will be here (laughs) soon, and, like, you're going to meet, like, a lot of people, so it's going to be, like, really, really great, just, like, be, you're, you're fine. It is. It is safe to be here. Yes. Great. Yeah.
0: And our final question: hmm.
2: Who should we interview next? Yes. This is. This is part of the relay.
0: Yeah, we're starting a new the, relay. We're
2: starting a new relay. Um, so I had given this a little bit of thought, um, and thanks to your prompts before <laughs> we started, and uh, through the New Professionals Institute, I met. Um, someone by the name of edgar french and he works at the university of manitoba and he his role is spiritual care coordinator and i just was super impressed with just seeing a role like that like Mm -hmm. i'm since i'm very interested in these conversations around like wellness and spirituality i just thought what a cool role Mm -hmm. um and i and um He was actually just really cool to chat with as well and brings a really interesting perspective, so he's cool. And then um, the other person, I would say, I had gone to the mid-level institute for caucus a couple weeks ago and met um, Krista Kinney, who works at the University of New Brunswick, and she's had, like, progressive leadership roles in residence um, there. And I just think it was just... So for me, it's been cool to meet folks, like, outside of... um, Ontario that are working in like different schools and seeing how um, seeing how folks are are navigating in their different institutions and the different things that are coming up for for them so those would be two people that I that I think I would like to like have further conversations
0: with but are just interesting perfect fantastic yeah cool thanks Pearl thanks for making the time thanks
1: for coming to Hamilton anytime (sighs)
0: Oh, Pearl.
1: That was great. What a way to end this fabulous season. What?
0: Yeah, exactly. So good. What a good cherry on top. Yeah. So good. Thank you so much, Pearl. We really, really appreciate it.
1: Pearl is on Twitter, um, at Pearl Mendoza, M-E-N-D-O-N-C-A.
0: And I'm on Twitter. You can uh, connect with me, and my handle is at Adam Kuhn, K-U-H-N.
1: I am at Nads Roses. Please include our hashtag Relay Essay.
0: And that's it. That's the season.
1: Thank you, Adrian Ross, for our theme song. We love it. Never get sick, tired of hearing about it. It's amazing.
0: Um, And Nadia, thank you for being such an amazing co-hostess with the mostess.
1: (laughs) Thank you.
0: (laughs) All right. Thanks, y'all. Enjoy. And we'll talk to you next time.
1: Bye.